nobody's talking about how Britney's man lost his job two months ago because he can't control his coke problem and he had to start selling blow on the side to make ends meet. Girl, stop talking. All the shit that people are thinking but not saying. I'm not even like drunk. I've just been like drinking. Does my podcast offend you? Men, if you're listening, I apologize in advance. Women, hey bitches, are you ready? Are you still talking? Girl, stop talking. Hey, it's me again. Happy Monday. I always like to start off my solo episodes with a glass of wine. Believe it or not, I still get really nervous when I'm recording, even though it's just me sitting here. So today is another solo episode. I Before we get started, I wanted to thank everyone who is consistently listening to the podcast and giving me all of your feedback. It really means so much to me that I'm getting so many good positive vibes and people are excited to listen. The first solo episode I listened to and it was very hard for me to get through it all. So for everyone that actually enjoyed it, thank you. (laughs) I am here by myself again and I just wanted to chat about a couple of things. Do you ever just stop and think like what the fuck is going on? Because same. Living life in your early 20s is the craziest experience that no one told you about. And I'm sure a lot of you guys can agree. When you're a teenager, I feel like all you want to do is be a grown up because you see like there are no rules. They get to do what they want. And then you get into your early 20s and you're like, what the fuck is happening? I remember being in high school, singing and screaming that song, young and wild and free, as we packed into our friend's truck like a can of sardines headed to glamour status. <laughs> For those of you that don't know what glamour status is, I don't want you to get it confused with actual glamour, like the sand dunes. Glamour status was basically this like, city knockoff version in Arizona way off of like the 303 somewhere and we used to pack like eight or nine people into our friend's truck and drive out there they did it every other weekend and basically what it was it was for like underage kids to party and drink and dance and they had like drag races for trucks and whatever else, dirt bikes, whatever. There was a stage where they would do, they would let girls and guys like dance on stage and then they would do wet t-shirt contests. And this started to get more and more popular. And so we would literally go every single weekend or not every other weekend, sorry. And basically just be little hood rats and get drunk and try to like convince the security to let our underage friends go on stage for the wet t-shirt contest. (laughs) I'm pretty sure one of my friends actually won and she was only 17. So oops. But this time in my life, I just remember things seemed so simple. Like we wanted to be old, like older and adults so bad because we thought it was going to be so easy. And we just pictured this life of us being young and wild and free 
But no, we were still bound by our parents and the officers that would catch us drinking underage and write us curfew tickets. And this happened quite often. I have plenty of stories of friends who went to this event and ended up getting minor in consumptions. For whatever reason, I ended up lucking out, considering I was always the friend that got caught. It wasn't me that time. Anyways, so you spend this time thinking about growing up and being older because you think you're going to be free. And then you turn 18 And you think you're such an adult, you think you know everything, and you get to make your own rules. Did anyone else's parents tell you, like when you were 18, that you could make your own rules and do what you want? And then you turned 18 and they were like, just kidding, like you need to be home by one. And no, you can't use the car, or you can't do this, or you can't do that. Yeah, same. I understand now growing up, like why they did that is because me and my friends were complete degenerates. You know, being 18, you realize, you start to realize like the whole world is ahead of you and you think you're free. (laughs) And then a couple of years pass and you start your life. You're maybe out of your parents' house, living on your own, living with a friend, and you're realizing that there's actually no such thing as being free. Because your parents turned into a nine to five job and that holds you down, makes you accountable and responsible because now you have bills to pay. And then there's still the police out there ticketing you for underage drinking, even though you're literally old enough to birth a child and they see you fitting enough to raise another human being, yet you legally can't drink. Isn't this fucked up? I remember, so I got pregnant at 18 is when I had my son. And I remember I was living on my own when I was 19 years old. It was just me and him literally providing for my child on my own. And I couldn't even order a drink at a fucking bar or at a restaurant with dinner. No, that was illegal. I can birth a child, but I'm not old enough to have a drink with my dinner so fucked up. Am I right? I know a lot of people tend to get a fake ID. Uh, I feel like I was fortunate enough that I always just looked older for my age. So I sit here and bitch and complain that I couldn't have a drink with dinner, but um, shout out to Applebee's. (laughs) Y'all were the shit because they never carded me there. (laughs) Okay. So moving forward, the time comes and you're 21. You can drink legally. It's your early 20s. And this is where you really think like I am an actual adult. Like I'm living my life. I can go drinking. I can go to the clubs like me and my friends. You know, we have our own place and you start to feel this sense of actual freedom. You're not conformed to these laws. Well, some laws, but not the laws where you're going to get in trouble just for like ordering a drink. Or if you're out walking on the street in old town, like you don't have to risk yourself getting arrested, which is great. (laughs) And then you start to see like your friends grow, like everybody is growing, right? So You have like these different categories of friends and that's kind of what I want to talk about. 
you have the there's these friends where they've been with their boyfriend or their man for like five plus years maybe they're high school sweethearts they live together they've what you think you've seen on social media is this like perfect relationship and maybe they bought a house maybe they're pregnant or they're expecting to have a baby and they're posting photos like I'm so happy bought this home we're expecting I love my man blah 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 let's be honest, we all know your life isn't perfect, but that's what social media does, right? It like, everybody wants to portray this perfect life almost as like a one up, like, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. I'm doing it better. I've moved further along. So back to these friends. So you have the friends where her and her man, they're having this perfect life. They bought a house, they have a baby, yet Nobody's talking about how Britney's man lost his job two months ago because he can't control his coke problem and he had to start selling blow on the side to make ends meet or how he goes out with the boys every Saturday and finger bangs random girls in Old Town on the dance floor. So Britney is left to not only take care of their child, but also to work full time and provide for a grown man child who can't get his shit together. But we don't see that on your Instagram story. Oh. But tell us more how blessed you are with your happy little family. And then it brings us to those single mom friends. You know, your friends that have always dated shitty men, like one after another after another, or they make excuses for red flags because they're desperate for a man and afraid to be alone. So they pick this man who maybe they met in the club when they were out with their girlfriends at brunch. And then these all these traits start to come up where they're falling down this hole of fighting their control. And it starts slow, you know, where the guy's like, why do you always wear crop tops? Why do you always feel like you have to show your stomach? Your boobs are so big. Can you just cover up? Like, what the fuck? And these are the friends that come to you over and over again and bitch about their boyfriend. And then you give them the same advice. And then seven days go by and they're back to posting on social media about how much in love or how in love they are with their man. (laughs) Gag. (laughs) Or there's the single mom friends who just left their baby daddy after being together for like six plus years. You know, they were that quote unquote happy couple on social media and they had those babies and then they realized that that relationship was toxic. So they decide to leave, but they haven't been with anyone else since high school. And now that we're adults and we're able to drink, we can go party and have a great time. So this, this friend is wild, right? She's always drunk, going out like three, four times a week, taking shots on her Instagram story, maybe doing lines of blow in the bathroom with strangers. She downloads Tinder to suck random dick on the weekends because she's only been with one dick for the last six plus years. You know, it's funny when you're on Instagram or Snapchat and you're watching someone's story and it's like, 
four hours ago, they're like, oh, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, the house is clean, feeding the kids dinner. And then it's like one hour ago, she's shaking her ass at the club and it's like, her and her friends are yelling, hey, 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 shots, shots. Everybody's getting drunk and wasted and you see her trip and fall and she's plastered to the floor where you have to peel her off and call her an Uber on the way home because she can't keep it together. Like, wait, what? (laughs) What just happened? Four hours ago, you were just putting your kid to bed. And then an hour later, you're like stuck on the floor getting an Uber to go home because you're wasted on Instagram. And then there's you. You're kind of in between. You've you haven't been in maybe a real serious relationship, but you started dating. You've continued to date the dating thing on Tinder. You realize like no one wants to be serious and everybody's just playing games. So maybe you just stay single or you're jaded and you're like, I don't need no man. I got a good, strong group of girlfriends and I'll stick to that. You also don't have any kids. So you're just working and hanging out with your friends on the weekends. Maybe you're working to save for a home because you think that that's what society tells you to do is like the right thing to show that you're an actual adult. Just trying to figure out life, sitting back and watching the bullshit that your friends are going through and secretly thanking God that you didn't end up pregnant or in a toxic relationship or both. This is, so this is what I'm talking about. Whether or not I hit hard home for you and you fall into one of these categories, my point is that we've all dipped our toes into being adults. And I want to say publicly that it's okay if you feel like you have no idea what you're doing. It's okay if you were with a man for six years and he treated you like shit and you want to be wild. It's okay if you go to the club and party on the weekends and you're a mom. And it's also okay to be comfortable and not have a man and not want to conform to what society says that you have to do to be like a respectable adult. It's okay not to have a plan. No matter what category you're in, we're all just trying to figure it out. So let's not judge. Let's not judge the friend that doesn't want to get married. Let's not judge the friend that doesn't have a boyfriend. Let's not judge single moms who go to raves or clubs on the weekend Let's not judge the friend that doesn't have or may not even want to have children. We're all just trying to make it the only way we know how to because nobody told us how to do this. So if you feel like you're struggling, that's fine. You have plenty of time to get it together. What I have learned being in my early 20s is your early 20s are for learning. It's trial and fucking error. And you know, life will keep throwing you the shit if you decide you don't want to learn from it. Try to look from an outside perspective on what life is throwing you, why you're ending up in these situations, if they are bad ones, and try and learn from it. There's always something that we can learn from each situation. If you're wondering which category I'm in, which I hate to admit, but I'm all about keeping this real. I was the single mom who made excuses for red flags because I wanted to be loved. And that's fucking sad. And I know some of you listening probably feel the same way. You don't have to lie, baby girl. It's okay. 
when you're really done with dealing with the bullshit, you will not deal with the bullshit. From 17 to 23, I dated two people, both felons, one progressively worse than the other. (laughs) And I'm no doctor, but after doing some research, I'm pretty sure both of them had NPD. If you don't know what NPD stands for, it stands for narcissistic personality disorder, which believe it or not is most common in men. And apparently the The cause is unknown, but it's likely involves genetic and environmental factors. Yes, I did directly pull this from um, my Google search, (laughs) but after reading up about it, it truly makes so much sense about the people that I was with because they literally have a lot of the same characteristics. If you're wondering what to look out for, some of the symptoms of this personality disorder are the need for admiration, a disregard for others' feelings, an inability to handle any criticism, and a sense of entitlement, just to name a few. So let's get into this a little bit. I'm going to talk to you about those two relationships, and we're going to call the first one Sperm Bank. This relationship came on fast. Um, It was almost like that toxic, which I'm realizing, you know, after the fact, it was that toxic love where it's like, you seem so wrapped up in the person. You're like, how did I not meet you sooner? How are you perfect? Like everything you're doing is great. You're complimenting me. You're telling me that you want me and you need me and all of these things. And it lasted for about three months. No, scratch up. About two months, maybe 2.5 at the most, until things really went downhill. That's when he started telling me I wasn't allowed to do things. Um, at the time, I lived in a small town in Prescott, Arizona, and my whole life was down in the valley in like North Phoenix. So it slowly started with, well, you're not allowed to go see your friends. And that was like a big thing for me because I didn't have like a whole lot of friends up in this small town. And my friends that I did have that were down in the Valley, like we had been friends for like eight, like, okay, maybe like six plus years. So yeah, it was, you're not allowed to go see your friends. And it was always a constant battle. Like I'm the type of person that's very independent and I always have been, even when I was in these toxic relationships. So I didn't really give a fuck that I was being told that I couldn't see my friends. I still went to see them. Another one with some of the friends that were like closer in town is I had a guy friend who was actually the guy that connected me and sperm bank. And he got so jealous to the point where like he didn't want me hanging out with this guy friend even though he knew like we were just friends and that was solely it and he was the one that got us together so that was the first thing was I was the first part of the control after the two months of love bombing if you don't know what love bombing is it's when a person gives you attention to the point that it gets overwhelming. This usually happens in the beginning stages of a relationship and it's displays of affection like flowers, um, sweet notes, flattery, and other grand gestures. It's also used to describe when 
a narcissist tries to use flattery, mirroring compliments and romance to lure and hook the person into their webs. That sounds super aggressive, but it really is. So after those two months of love bombing had stopped, this is when the control and the manipulation came through. It started with telling me what I can and can't do, hanging out with my friends, trying to isolate me from my friends, um, even to the point where there was one time where we had broken up and then we actually got back together. And as soon as we got back together, it was like, I missed you so much. I just want to be with you forever where he literally was trying to convince me to go down to the courthouse to marry him. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't want a big wedding. Like, I just want to be with you forever. Like, let's go on Monday. Let's go down to the courthouse. And at this time, like, I knew that that's not something I would be okay with, but it just goes to show more on, like, how toxic this relationship was. About six months into our relationship, we obviously met each other's parents. And I remember being at his mom's house for dinner one time and walking by this photo on the wall of him. And he looked very young and he was holding like a baby. And I looked at that and I was like, that's so strange. Like, what is this? And it's really crazy because normally I'm the type of person that is like very outspoken, but I feel like sometimes when it, when it came to these toxic relationships, they, when you try to be outspoken, they make you feel crazy. Like what I physically saw with my own eyes wasn't real, basically gaslighting the situation. And so I thought that was really strange And I ended up waiting until the end of the day and when we were alone and I had asked him like, hey, I saw this like photo of you holding a baby at your mom's house. Like, what's up with that? And he told me this whole story about how he dated this girl when he was 18 and she ended up getting pregnant and he thought it was his baby. And then like a couple months after the baby was born that he found out that she cheated on him and it wasn't his actual child. So I was like, okay. And I didn't put any more thought into it. I'm like, seems legit. I've never heard of this girl. I don't really know like the whole backstory, but like, I'm going to believe my man. Well, as time started to go on, then I met his grandparents and they lived in another small town And we went over to their house and there were random pictures of this same baby, but older, like five months old, maybe like almost a year old. And then so I started questioning more, like, why do your grandparents have these photos too? Like, this isn't making sense. And it literally got to the point where I remember one time his grandma looked at me and she looked me in the face and told me, I don't know why he's lying to you about his child. And at that point, it was already too late to to go back on anything. Um, This caused a lot of problems in our relationship uh, on top of the problems that there already were. I just was, I felt stuck. Like I didn't know what to do. He's obviously lying to me and he's not telling me the truth. He's continuing to like believe his lies. And that's what's so crazy. Like he's like 
living this life as a lie and he like has lied for so much that he believes them. So basically I stayed because I was young and dumb and in this whirlwind, narcissistic, toxic relationship being manipulated every step of the way. So after I saw the photos in his grandparents' house, I started doing some digging naturally, right? Because being a woman, we are the best investigators. I was trying to think, I've, his grandma told me the name of this girl and he had mentioned it too. So I was trying to think, how do I get a hold of this girl? I don't know her last name. Nobody's going to tell me. He's not going to tell me her last name. His grandparents are going to tell me the, the last name. And then I realized he had given his old phone to my guy best friend at the time. So I reached out to my guy best friend and I asked him, I was like, Hey, do you have is so-and-so's number in, in this phone? And he said, yeah. And I asked him, I was like, can you give me the phone number? And he asked me why. And I didn't give him a lot of information because I wanted to keep it on the low. I just asked that he withheld that information from, from sperm bank at the time. And he did. So what I did, naturally, I decided to call the number to figure out what was really going on. This girl answers the phone and I start to explain who I am and the person that I'm dating. And she was literally responded to me and she's like, I want nothing to do with this guy. So please just leave me alone. It was one of those movie scenes where you're like, wait, 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 just hear me out. And I ended up getting her on the phone and asking her these questions and she verified for me that this was his child and that he was a narcissist and a pathological liar and she wanted nothing to do with him. He was completely out of her life. We ended up talking on the phone for like an hour or something and I was very appreciative. I 100% believed her. So somehow I'm assuming this girl went back to his grandma because it got around back to my ex that I was on the phone with his ex who he had had this baby with and he was obviously pissed and somehow it became my fault, right? Because that's what they do. They manipulate you into thinking that you're crazy and they gaslight you to be able to hold up this lie of their life because they don't want to admit that this is something that they had done in the past. And this, this was, it was a very rocky road from here. So I want to fast forward. There was that situation. Obviously I stayed because I was a dumb bitch (laughs) and whatever, young and dumb. I'm just going to blame it on that. Like I said earlier, like you don't leave until you are seriously done with the situation. I decided to stay with him. We fast forward a month or so goes on and we're walking in Walmart, me and him shopping and we're walking down this aisle. There is a girl, not the same girl, different girl, her mom and and a newborn in the grocery cart and they're walking down the aisle and everyone like they made eye contact and then you just feel this weird energy right and the mom is pissed she starts saying things out loud in fucking walmart like you fucking piece of shit like you lying fucking dude you don't want to take care of your daughter this is your daughter and how dare you not be responsible for what you did 
And he literally, the panic and look in his eyes, it was like a deer in fucking headlights. I'm not even kidding. I just got goosebumps. (laughs) He grabbed my hand and basically like tried to run from the situation. And I was standing there like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I know that this wasn't the girl that I had talked to on the phone. This was a different girl. And this, and her mother was yelling at us in Walmart, like, practically saying that like this baby that was in the car was his also. And he, you know, he's like in freak out mode and I'm sitting here and I'm like, what the fuck was that? Who was that? Well, I think I left a part out actually. Now I'm remembering before the situation in Walmart happened, I actually looked through his phone prior to this and found messages of this girl DMing him saying like, I know you don't want any responsibility. That's fine. I just want you to sign over the rights to the baby. And he's like, was making excuses. Like, it's not my kid. It's not my kid, whatever. So I saw that we had had that um, situation happened. I was like, well, if it's not your kid, like, why don't you just get a paternity test? Right? Like if you want to truly show that like, this isn't your child, get a paternity test and prove that it's not. And then you don't have to deal with this, but it was always excuse after excuse after excuse. And then fast forward to the Walmart situation. Then like a week later, this happened. And so when he pulled me from this aisle, I asked him, I'm like, was that the girl from your, in like your DMS? And there was just excuses, excuses, trying to like remove himself from the situation, whatever. And this went on. He continued to manipulate me. I continued to stay. After these situations happened, we were clearly on a rocky path. Um, I knew he was lying to me about things. I had you know, this conversation with this girl who had a baby and said she wanted nothing to do with him. And then I, this, I saw the DMS where this girl was saying, sign away your rights. But he was like, so terrified to even do that in my mind. Now I truly believe it's because he knows that like, it was probably his kid and he didn't want to like, accept that that was what was happening. Um, and then, you know, the mom like yelling at us in the middle of fucking Walmart. Oh my God. (laughs) So after all of this happened, it was a very rocky relationship. It got worse. The control got worse. The manipulation got worse. Um, The hiding things got worse. And then there was the accusations of that I was a cheater. And we dated for over a year. And it got to the point where I was literally just done. I'm like, I cannot continue to be with you. I don't want to be with you. Done he ended up disappearing for, you know, just fucking disappeared, which was great. I no longer had to deal with it. That was the first narcissist I've ever had to deal with. Um, the one that got progressively worse, we'll call him Satan. It took me dating the literal devil who not only had narcissistic personality disorder, but was also a borderline psychopath with a drug problem who made me feel like my life was literally in danger to understand that I didn't love myself enough to set boundaries for what I deserve. (laughs) That got deep real quick. So I just want to wrap around really quick and let you guys know that the reason why I'm talking about this is because I was the mom who made excuses for red flags because she wanted to be loved. So when I say that 
these, when I didn't learn from these toxic relationships that life was giving me, I didn't learn those lessons. They progressively got worse to the point where I felt like my life was in danger. This man, the devil, Satan that I dated was literally the most crazy experience that has ever happened to me in my whole life. It was a full blown abusive relationship, which I'm going to have a whole episode on sometime soon to really tell you the story and give you the facts of, you know, what to do to get yourself out of something that's so crazy like that. But I'm sure you can tell already it's not a good one because it wasn't. I obviously learned the hard way that you cannot make excuses for red flags. Making excuses for red flags puts you in a situation that literally no one wants to be in. Do you want to be happy? I'm sorry. Did you answer yes to that question? Because if you want to be happy, then why are you making excuses? Why are you letting these people press your boundaries and lie to you or manipulate you about why your boundary is somehow invalid. That's bullshit. If I can, if you can learn anything from this other than knowing that my early 20s were shit, all I can say is don't make excuses and hold your boundaries firm because a man or a woman that was that doesn't respect your boundaries is not the one for you, period. Whatever they are, like literally whatever they are. If someone wants to be with you, they will bend over backwards to make it happen in the most healthy way. Before we get into our next segment, I really hope that you guys enjoyed this little solo episode. I'm excited to kind of go in deeper on my relationship with Satan. So please comment, leave a review, hit me up on Instagram if you would like to hear in detail what that story brings. Um, I may need a whole bottle of wine for that one. Not going to lie. So this brings us to... Our next segment. Are you still talking? Girl, stop talking. We fucking never will. Um, this next segment. This next segment, I'm gonna answer some questions that you guys have left me on Instagram. I really appreciate you guys, um, writing in stories, asking for advice, asking questions, even if it's something like not even relatable, the fact that you guys are continuing to support me and this podcast and the growth of it, it literally means so much. A lot of time goes into this for these short, you know, 45 to an hour episodes, probably four hours go into each episode. So I love being able to have the feedback. It means so much. Please subscribe, um, leave reviews, continue DMing me. I love it. I love it. I love it. The first question I got, I actually really like. It's super relatable to what we just talked about. I had a listener write in and ask, what made you finally end your toxic relationship or relationships? Each one was different. I, before I had my son, 
I ended it because I got to the point where I didn't want to feel crazy and I just consistently, I had, I had, had been living with my mom and she saw what was going on and made a point to stick her whole nose right in it and be super real because she knew that like this was not okay. So I had a lot of really good people around me for the first one. There were a couple little flings between like after I had my son and my psycho ex, my psycho ex Satan. And those ones, I think after I had my son, when I realized I was in a toxic relationship, I knew that like I couldn't do that because I had a child. So those ones were easier because he was so little. It was easier to just go because I'm like, I don't fucking need you. Like you're supposed to be adding to my life, like not ruining it. And then when it came to Satan, um, like I said earlier, he literally put me in a a situation where I feared my life and it spun my whole world around. Um, I was afraid to leave. So that was a big part of it. And that made it even more difficult. I actually had to take legal action with that because he had like this like revenge, vindictive, like revenge plan. Like, how dare you leave me? But it took, it really like made me realize that like, if I stay in this relationship, I don't know what's going to happen. And that was a really scary thought. So once I was able to really realize that I ended things and like I said, I'll go more into more detail with that in a different episode. I had a fellow podcaster write in and he asked, what do you think of a casual sex with an escort or let's say a stranger, if it, whether or not it can help your marriage? I think that this is a loaded question. I think if you're going to bring someone into your marriage, that there needs to be a plan. I think that both people need to feel 100% okay and secure with this situation. And both people have to want it. Like if one person, say the guy wants to bring someone else into the relationship and because they're having like issues I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it can save or help your marriage if there are issues. I think that this only works if it is 100% health and wellness within the relationship and you guys are coming together because you're like exploring your sexual experiences and you want to try something different to keep it fun and like surprising and new. I think in that case, it would be okay. But like I said, both people have to want it. Both people have to be okay with it. And before anyone else is involved, I really think that there needs to be a plan, rules, boundaries set in place so that each person knows like this is okay and this is not okay. Um, For me, I think if I ever did something like this, I mean, maybe that's a question for another time, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Sometimes I think like kissing is very intimate. So for me, like if I brought, if I was like having a threesome 
with my man, I don't think I'd want him to kiss the other girl. And I don't think that I would want that girl to stay the night either. So like, I think rules like that need to be in put in place so that everybody knows like there's no jealousy involved. And even the third person needs to know, like this should be kind of like set up unless it's like you're at a bar and you've talked about like having a threesome and they're like, okay, let's find a random girl. And if it just fucking works out, then like maybe that's a little different, but someone should definitely be calling her a cab like on the way home at that night. If those are one of the rules. I like that question. Thanks for that. Well, I'm about to wrap this episode up. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'm excited for these next couple weeks. I have my part-time co-host auditions the next two episodes. I'm going to bring on two different girls running for the chance to be my co-host on the podcast. They will be, whoever wins will be on twice a month. And then I'm going to save those two other spots for either solo episodes or bringing on other guests. And I think it would be really just a good contributing factor to the podcast to have some consistent banter and um, just consistent storylines. So it'd be easier for you guys to follow along. It won't be so random and like, who who is this person? Who's that person type of thing? So I really want to leave it up to the listeners to decide who they like best. So this is how it's going to work. Next week, I'm going to have the first co-host audition and I am going to have a poll on in the link on my bio where you can vote for which co-host you liked better. So the next two weeks, we're going to have two separate people. You're going to have to wait until you hear both episodes and then the poll will be up. Um, When you decide who you like the best, please go in the link on my bio and vote for them. If you want an extra point, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review explaining who you like and why you liked them. And that will count as an extra point and go towards the competition on who will be the next co-host. So I'm really excited for that. Thank I want to say thank you to all the girls who reached out to me wanting to be a part of this. I really appreciate that as well. Unfortunately, some of our schedules didn't line up, which it just is what it is. But thank you guys so much. And hopefully by the end of May, we will know who the uh, co-host to the podcast will be. So thanks again, everybody who's staying consistent and listening. Please, please review, um, subscribe. It helps with ratings. Please, if you share on Instagram, tag me, tell a friend. And that's, that's all. That's all I got for you. Have a good fucking week, bitches. Are you still talking? Girl, stop talking.